Welcome to OCC. You can go ahead and be seated. For those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Anthony Dunning. I'm the director of local outreach here. <clears throat> and isn't it so great to be in a place where we can worship a God that gives us hope? Hope in, in all aspects of our lives, even when the Cardinals don't beat the Wildcats. But hey, the Wildcats played a great game, so I'll give it up. It was good. It was, it was a lot of fun to watch, especially that one guy who hurtled over. Did you see that? Jonathan do something? Yeah. I'll talk to him later. <laughs> hey, but to, uh, to, um, that's the wrong part of my notes. Let's get to the right part. All right. Hey, I want to welcome you, and we introduced a new thing several weeks ago uh, that if you want to follow along on your phone and take notes, that it's okay, nobody's going to get mad at you to have your phone out while we're preaching. And so you can access those by texting notes to 502-289-1387, or you can just go straight to the link notes oklahomacc.org. If you're watching online, there's actually a tab at the bottom of your screen that you can click on that says notes, and it'll take you to the same thing. You can fill all those in, text them, or, or email them to yourself when this is all done, and have those for future references. In fact, if you are online, you can also request prayer, chat with our hosts, and why don't you go ahead, start a conversation with them now. Put in the chat your all-time favorite Christmas movie. That way I know what to watch over the next several weeks. But speaking of movies, can you relate with me the anticipated feeling of something to come? Right, we get that way with movies. That, the, that, that new movie that's gonna come out in, uh, in, 20, in the summer of 2023. I don't wanna spoil any of the movies that are coming. Indiana Jones 5, another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But we are gonna see yet another Fast and Furious. I mean, how many movies does it take to show us what a car can do? It can only do so much. I think, I think we've, we've had enough of those. But uh, we also anticipate the next season of our favorite TV show. We anticipate the construction and grand opening of a Chick-fil-A that's soon to come, right over there, right? Right, by the, right across the, the, the stream next to the nursery. Summer of 2023 is the rumors I've heard. Um, I, I would say then we could all go eat a, when we're done here, but you know, it's God's chicken and they're not open on Sundays. So we anticipate the birth of our child, our grandchild, niece, nephew, and then there's the one that we all should be super excited about and talking about anticipation of Christ to come again. Christmas is such a wonderful time of year that we spend with family and loved ones remembering the birth of Jesus and the joy that came with it. The Messiah, God's son. And that's something we're celebrating. The one who has come to save us and redeem us from our sin. <clears throat> but should the Christmas season, the season of Advent, be a little bit more than just about remembering? 
Pray with me. Jesus, thank you for Christmas. The time we get to celebrate as we should all year long. You coming to be among us, to teach us, to guide us, to love us. Thank you for being real then and thank you for being real now. Amen. All right, you heard me mention Advent. And for some of us, we might not know what that even means. Some of us might be wondering why a Christian preacher just mentioned a Catholic seasonal time. So allow me to help us understand what Advent is and means to us as Christians. All right, first off, Advent is not strictly a Catholic or Lutheran thing. While Catholics or Lutherans may recognize Advent more dutifully than we as non-denominational, okay, let me try that one again, than we as non-denominational Christians do, Advent is a time all Jesus followers can be a part of. More than likely, Advent started back in the mid-first century as a time where you would fast for 40 days leading up to Christmas to get your mind and your heart in the right place to celebrate Jesus' birth. Now, many families today, including mine, don't fast for 40 days. You can tell why. Because Chick-fil-A's coming, that's why. But to do something to prepare for Christ being born. Now, my family will read scripture uh, from December 1st all the way to the 24th. And that scripture will include the prophecies of Jesus' birth as well as the Christmas story itself. And some families and churches use four candles to count down the four Sundays before Christmas. And we've got these candles over here. We actually have five, the white one being uh, what we'll light on Christmas Day. So you can see that uh, December 25th, 11 o'clock. But we lit the candle of hope today, which is what we're gonna talk about. And, And as I was doing research on this, just about every website I went to had a common theme that the four candles would represent some aspect of the Christmas story or some aspect of who Jesus is and why he came to live on earth. The candles that we're gonna use will represent different uh, people within that story. Today is gonna be the prophets, but it's also the hope candle. And for Jesus, it's, almost, it's also the camel of, candle of promise keeper. But the, the main points that we're gonna look at over the course of this series is Jesus as our promise keeper Miracle worker, way maker, light in the darkness. And Advent is a time of year where there is waiting, anticipation, preparation. So just as we anticipate and get excited about that new movie or soon to becoming Chick-fil-A, we should be even more anxiously excited about Christ coming again. About the promise of the Messiah, about the promise of spending eternity with Jesus about the promise of being with the one who's known as the promise keeper. Now, Advent means coming 
or arrival. And during the Advent season, there are three types of arrival when related to Jesus that we get to celebrate. We're going to look at the arrival he already did through his birth and and coming as a baby on Christmas, the arrival he's doing now in our hearts and for those who have still yet to come to know him, and the arrival he will do one day when he returns again. The prophets, which is what our first candle represents, talked about all three of these arrivals. The promise of his arrival as a baby to eventually become the ultimate sacrifice and to free us from sin and he will return one day to claim us and take us to spend eternity with him. Now many of us may not necessarily be familiar with what the prophets said in scripture about the arrival of Jesus. And as we look at Jesus as the promise keeper, these prophecies that were told were exactly that. Promises about Jesus and his mission to save us from sin. So let's break this down between the three arrivals I just mentioned ago. The arrival he already did, the arrival he's doing now, and the arrival he's going to do. And all three of these hold promises of a fulfilled, joyous life in him. All three of these hold the promise of hope. The definition of a promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or a particular thing will happen. And then the definition of prophecy is the foretelling or prediction of what will happen. So you can see the similarity between these two. So a prophecy was a promise made by the prophet of a particular thing about Jesus of what was going to happen. But today we don't, We don't necessarily use the word prophecy too much unless we're specifically talking about a prophecy from scripture, right? So for example, I wouldn't say, I prophesy that I will beat Fitz in a round of golf. I would say, I promise that when I play Fitz uh, in golf, I'm gonna beat him. I can make that promise because I've seen him swing a club. So for today, I'm gonna use the word promise when talking about prophecy. And the Old Testament is full of prophecies, promises about Jesus. Some scholars believe there are more than 300 promises that were made about Jesus. Now the mathematical probability that somebody would fulfill just a handful of those, let alone all of them, is impossible. But we're talking about Jesus. Impossible goes out the window. And that might be hard to wrap our heads around, so listen to this. Peter Stoner, a devout Christian writer Uh, and chairman of the departments of mathematics and astronomy at Pasadena College was passionate about biblical prophecies. With 600 students from the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Stoner looked at eight specific prophecies about Jesus, just eight out of the hundreds. They came up with extremely conservative probabilities for each one being fulfilled and then consider the likelihood of Jesus fulfilling just those eight 
but all eight. The conclusion to his research was staggering. The prospect that anyone would satisfy those eight prophecies was just one in 10 to the 17th power. I know, right? Right, so that's, that's a one with 17 zeros or 100 quadrillion. So the chance that anybody would fulfill just eight of those prophecies, one in a 100 quadrillion chance that he would fulfill all eight. And there was hundreds. So in his book, Science Speaks, Stoner described it like this. Let us try to visualize this chance. If you mark one of 10 tickets, place all 10 tickets in a hat, mix it up really well, and ask a blindfolded person to pull one ticket and have that ticket be the right one that you marked, those chances are one in 10, right? That makes sense. So suppose we take this probability and we use 100 quadrillion silver dollars and we lay them over the the face of the state of Texas. It will completely cover the state of Texas two feet deep. Hmm? Now, we mark just one silver dollar as the, as the right one. And we randomly place it somewhere, mix it all up so we don't even know where it is. We blindfold a person, we tell them, you can walk out as far as you want throughout the entire state of Texas. And then when you feel like th- this is the spot, you're gonna reach down and you grab one coin and you're gonna say, this is it. And the probability that that is the right one is that. One in 10 to the 17th power. Just the same chance that the prophets would have would have had of writing these eight prophecies and having them all come true in any one man from their day to the present time, providing they wrote using their own wisdom. Now here's, here's the thing though, is that one man was Jesus and the prophets wrote under the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, not their own. But this was the probability for just eight promises. Jesus fulfilled hundreds, all of them. So just imagine those odds may not be able to fit all the zeros on the screen. But in the spirit of the arrival he already did, let's take a look at just a few of those promises he fulfilled. It was, it was promised that King David's offspring will have an eternal kingdom. Well, for that to happen, it would have to go through Jesus because humans, we come and go. And earthly kingdoms eventually fade away. But look here in 2 Samuel 7. It says, furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. 
I will be his father and he will be my son. So for the kingdom to continue to go through the genealogical line of David, the throne has to be passed down from relative to relative to relative related to David. And so if, if another if another dynasty kingdom came in and overthrew David's line, that starts a new genealogical line, which then would, would dismiss the prophecy that David's line goes on forever. So look here, though, in Matthew 1, it says, this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David. So done, check the box, Promise fulfilled, Jesus is related to David, and we know that he reigns on the throne in heaven and in our hearts as king. Here's another one, Isaiah chapter seven. The Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So then fast forward a few hundred years, and we see in Luke chapter one, verse 35, this is the angel replied, and the angel is talking to Mary, who, by the way, was a virgin. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born holy, and he will be called the Son of God. So in this context of what Isaiah was saying, there were only two options for God to be with us. He could either be on earth himself, or send his son. So done. Jesus, God's son, came as a baby born from a virgin. Prophecy fulfilled. How about one more? King Herod finds out about Jesus' birth. And the, the Magi were traveling when they saw the star in the sky. They happened to come in contact with Herod before eventually getting... Uh, to Jesus in, in the house he was living in. <clears throat> and Herod finds out about this king of the Jews. And he's like, well, I'm the king of the Jews. And I can't have anybody take my place. So his crazy jealousy then causes him to kill all baby boys two years and younger. And so Mary, Joseph, and Jesus need to flee from Israel. And Hosea chapter 11 says, when Israel was a child, I loved him and I called my son out of Egypt. Now this one gets pretty specific with an actual place, which would make this promise a little harder to fulfill. But look at this in Matthew chapter two. It says that night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary his mother and they stayed there until Herod's death this fulfilled what the Lord spoke through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. So done. Another prophecy fulfilled. Jesus, obviously who God loves, came out of Egypt after Herod had passed away. This is just three of many promises made about Jesus' birth and life as a child. But these prove that the promise keeper arrived. All right, so the arrival he already did, the arrival he's doing now. 
But how do we look at Jesus fulfilling promises today? Because it's not like the scriptures talk about Jesus being on earth and, and doing his ministry in the, in the year of the 2020s. Right, we, we know Jesus was alive over 2,000 years ago. And so how do we say that he's fulfilling promises today? So let's look at a few of those. And I'm gonna explain what I mean in that. Yes, the prophets did write promises that Jesus is fulfilling today. Okay, so we see here in a psalm by Asaph, who was a prophet and a poet from the tribe of Levi during the time of King David. And he says in Psalm 78, oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you the hidden lessons from our past. Now, who do we know that loved to teach in parables? Jesus, right? Look here, Matthew 13 says, Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these. He had actually just finished uh, speaking a parable. Um, In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet I will speak to you in parables. I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. Here's another one, done. And today, what do we use in our teachings of Jesus? Jesus' teachings. We use the parables that he spoke. We use the things written in the gospels about him. We use all of scripture that talks about Jesus. And so, yes, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy when he lived on earth and speaking in parables. But since we are still using those today, he's still fulfilling a prophecy now. And all of these teachings that Jesus did were promised to begin in the land of Galilee. All right, we're told in Isaiah 9, nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. There will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Now before we look at the verse that fulfills this promise, quick geography lesson, you have Israel And then next to it, the Jordan River, the Dead Sea's at the bottom, and the sea at the top of the Jordan River is the Sea of Galilee. And so where that scripture talked about the sea and the Jordan River, that's what it's talking about, the Sea of Galilee and the Jordan River. Now we look in Matthew 4, and we see that when Jesus heard that John had been arrested He left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth and then left there and moved to Capernaum beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah, which is a huge chunk we just looked at. 
From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. So again, done. Check the box of another promise fulfilled back when Jesus was actually on earth. But if we look at today, I mean, what, what are we preaching today? Repent of your sins. Find and follow Jesus. And so this is still being fulfilled today. And most of Jesus' teachings were actually done in Galilee. Then continued on Jerusalem and eventually found its way to Louisville, Kentucky. There are so many more promises that were told by the prophets about Jesus' ministry. What the promise keeper did back then to change lives and the hearts of those in Israel has spanned over generations and around the world to help people find and follow him today. So the arrival he already did, the arrival he's doing now, and the arrival he will do. During the time that Jesus was on earth, he also made promises. He made a promise that he was gonna die and rise again from the grave. He did that, done. He also promised that when he left, he would someday return and take us home with him. And we look at John chapter 14, and it says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Jesus is preparing a place, a room just for you. My room is gonna be a little bigger. I need the space. But he's preparing a room for all of us. And there's more than enough room because Jesus still hasn't come back yet. Right, so the HGD, HGTV and the Property Brothers, they're working overtime to get this house ready for us. So guarantee there's gonna be more than enough room. But Jesus also said in Mark 13, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory and he will send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. Even the angels promises Jesus' return. And in Acts chapter one, this is right after Jesus rose from the, the grave and he spent some time here on earth before he ascended into heaven. And in Acts chapter one, this is what we're seeing of the ascension of Jesus up into heaven. And the angels say, as the people who are watching this strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, men of Galilee. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now these three promises that we looked at, we're still waiting for them to be fulfilled. But we have the hope that they're going to be fulfilled. Because Jesus already fulfilled hundreds of 
promises already, why would he not also fulfill these? Today, we have hope and faith of promises that will be kept because we've seen the promise keeper fulfill all those other ones we talked about. The prophets gave hope and faith in in Jesus of who was still yet to be seen. That hope came true when Jesus was born. Hebrews 11.1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Friends, it is our faith that gives us the hope for Jesus to return again. It is our faith that gives us the hope for Jesus to return again. This hope is not a hope like you're watching the game and you say, man, I hope they score a touchdown. No, this this hope is a hope that says with confidence, I can't wait for Jesus to return. This is a hope that fills us with excitement and anticipation about Jesus coming again to take us to be with him forever in heaven. So Advent, Jesus arrived as a baby. Jesus will arrive again someday. But Jesus is here now, wanting us to to embrace this hope and have him live in our hearts forever. So if you haven't made that decision to have that hope of Jesus and you want that, you want that, that hope and that excitement, then don't wait. Don't keep putting this off. As you leave here today and you walk out these doors, there's a counter out there that we call the next steps counter. You can't miss it because there's a giant next on the wall. There are gonna be people there who want to talk with you about the hope found in Jesus. I encourage you, don't keep putting it off. Talk to somebody there today and make the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. Let's pray. Jesus, again, we thank you for this Christmas season where we get to come and and worship and remember and be joyful and thankful that you came to earth as a baby eventually to go up on that cross and die for our sins so that we can be forgiven so that you could come back and be able to take us with you to heaven. And Lord, we are excited about that time. We can't wait for that time to come. But in the meantime, during this four weeks of Advent, during this Christmas season, Let us remember, but not just remember, let us us praise you. Let us tell others about you because of the excitement that we have. But my challenge is even beyond the four weeks. Let us do it for not just four weeks, but 365 days. 
and then the year after that and after that. To never stop remembering why you came to earth and for us to always be excited to tell others and help them come to know who you are so that they can share in the hope that you give as our promise keeper. We love you, Jesus, and we pray in your wonderful name. Amen.